It's half past ten. Channel Radio News Update. Around 8,000 British troops will take part in exercises across Eastern Europe this summer to combat Russian aggression. Meanwhile, the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has visited Ukraine and said his organization's Security Council has failed the country. The Security Council failed to do everything in its power to prevent and end this war. And this is a source of great anger. Whatever we can provide pales in comparison to the needs. Three-time Wimbledon champion Boris Becker could be sent to jail today when he's sentenced for flouting the terms of his bankruptcy. The 54-year-old's been found guilty of transferring hundreds of thousands of pounds from his business account. New NHS guidance is urging people with arthritis to lose weight and exercise as the main therapies for their condition. And James Corden's announced he's leaving The Late Late Show next year. From Radio News Hub, I'm Edward Breslin. Radio Works. As the cost of living rises, Warburton's Foundation are providing families with over 1 million fresh products and support packages. Dave Bagley from Urban Outreach can tell us more. As the founder of the charity Urban Outreach in Bolton, which has been a long-term recipient of Warburton's for nearly 30 years, I've seen firsthand how much of a positive impact this community support can have. If you want to find more information about the Warburton's Foundation, please visit warburtons.co.uk or visit their Instagram page at Warburton's UK. Channel Radio, weather outlook. A fairly dry day for most places, sunny later in central and western parts, but cooler and cloudier in the southeast of England. Highs of 15 degrees Celsius. We'll be right back after this. See it, that dream I'm dreaming But there's a voice inside my head Saying you'll never reach it Every step I'm taking Every move I make feels lost with no direction My faith is shaking But I, I gotta keep trying Gonna keep my head held high There's always gonna be another mountain I'm always gonna wanna make it move Always gonna be an uphill battle Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose It ain't about how fast I get there it Ain't about what's waiting on the other side It's the climb The struggles I'm facing The chances I'm taking Sometimes I knock me down But no, I'm not breaking I may not know it But these are the moments That I'm gonna remember most yet. Just gotta keep going Always gonna be 
This is Channel 2 Radio, the Mindset Matters show with Sinat Noorani. Don't worry about the height, we'll get it right. Jade Window Cleaning and Support Services for all your commercial and residential window cleaning needs throughout London and the South East. Call us on 01689. 885004 or email info at jwcss.com Hello beautiful people it's that time of the week again Friday for the Mindset Matters talk show I'm your host Zina Narani and I'm here for the next hour and a half from 10:30 to 12 noon Right oh my goodness can you believe that it is the 29th of April where has April gone? But mind you, April has been absolutely beautiful. More than usual, you know, we talk about April showers, but there's been a lot of sunshine, maybe a little bit fresquito out there at times with the wind blowing, but at least the flowers are blooming and blossoming, the air smells fresher and the sun is shining and it's such a good uplifting Thing for our moods right before I carry on I'm just going to quickly thank my sponsor the mindset matters show is sponsored by Intune PR they are a public relations business that helps its clients to achieve raised awareness through media coverage they say Intune PR understands that mental health and well-being are vital for all of us we are proud to sponsor such an informative and uplifting show and such a talented coach. Mindset does matter. I do apologise, I still have a croaky voice. Whether it's sexy or not, I don't know, but it's getting there slowly. Anyway, let me carry on. Uh, please do continue to connect with me on social media and remember to keep those tweets coming in during the show and after the show so that will be at zenat underscore narani and don't forget to use the hashtag msm radio talks and if you would like to send a email to me as well with anything that's been going on in your life great things you've been doing people that have inspired you or that you've inspired somebody or you've done you know a great charity cause anything around lifting up mental health and well-being email me at 
mindsethorizons at gmail.com. That's mindsethorizons at gmail.com. And in the subject box, pop in MSM shoutouts. Now, if it's your first time listening into the Mindset Matters, this show is dedicated to supporting, making a difference in bringing about awareness, breaking down those stigmas around mental health and well-being. It's also about sharing how different aspects of our lives are impacted by our overall well-being. Things that we might simply forget and not really think about, oh, this relates to my mental health or well-being. Well, this show is all about bringing that self-awareness of yourself and others so that we can fundamentally live the life that we want to live with fulfillment and happiness, all those wonderful things that we desire. Also, you know, this show is about sending out the message for you to know that you are not alone and that we all go through challenging times in our lives and it's absolutely okay to reach out and ask for help. Reaching out and asking for help is the bravest thing that you can do. Yes, it takes courage, but once you do, you will feel so empowered and like a whole weight has been lifted off your shoulders. Now, I know that asking for help is definitely the best thing that I've done because I went through my own challenges in life with mental health and well-being, with complete and utter burnout, anxiety, uh, depression, where I felt worthless. I'd lost my self-value, my self-esteem, the confidence levels, and didn't feel very much that I had, I didn't have much to offer in life. But I realised by talking to people around me that I no longer wanted to be like this, and I wanted to come go back to the Zenat that I knew the bubbly person, the person who had so much energy that was doing so much out there. So I reached out for help. And from doing so, I was able to gather a range of tools and strategies that are now at my disposal that makes me a stronger person. But not only that, during all of this time and before I had my mental breakdown, I was also training up and had qualified as a life coach and an NLP practitioner, neuro-linguistic programmer. And so all those tools, plus what I learned through my counseling and therapy and CBT, it just gave me a whole brand new toolbox. And these are the tools that I use from day to day. Because as we know, life is constantly testing us in many ways. There are ups, there are downs, there are curves, left and right, you name it. And by being more self-aware and valuing who I am, I knew that I could get through anything. And all these challenges that I'm still confronted with, I can still look forward. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And with that also, I wanna talk a little bit about resilience. Now it's important to have resilience. Some people have got great resilience and they've had this all their life practically, but these are skills that they've learned through their experiences and their resilience of their mind has enabled them to be stronger people. But what makes them resilient? Well, the thing that makes people resilient is the capacity to be able to see alternative solutions. 
alternative paths. They're able to step back, reflect, evaluate, and view different angles and how they can solve those problems. That then allows them to keep moving forward, bouncing back from adversity. And yes, resilience can be learned. So, this show, obviously, I, you know, I run this show, I'm hosting the show because I am so passionate about it. And what makes me really excited about this show is being able to reach out to a wider audience where I can share my own challenges and experience and successes and the expertise with the tips and tools that I have and that I can give my clients and everyone out there and my listeners but also how I can have meaningful discussions with expert professionals that come onto the show that also make a difference in people's lives. From helping them heal from trauma, to grief, wanting to transform their lives, to be a better version of themselves, along with building confidence and learn more about themselves and others. Simply to keep learning and growing. But what really is truly amazing and inspiring about this shows is the brave, inspirational people who come on and share their personal stories. They open up their hearts to all you wonderful listeners out there, sharing their challenges and hoping to resonate and connect with you out there. That if they can get through the challenges that they've had, the unforeseen adversities that they've had to overcome, then yes, you can do it as well because they're on here to share that and give you the hope that you can make long-lasting positive change. Now, this can make all the difference and I love having these people on here. Now, speaking of guests, Today's guest recording is Danny Mills, a former professional footballer currently playing in the National League South of Dulwich Hamlet FC, where he also um, is the club's first equality, diversity and inclusion officer. He has had a very successful career with the non-league game and has managed to play over 500 games, scoring over 170 goals to date. Now off the football pitch, Danny has been taking more of a humanitarian focus. Over the last year, he has co-hosted a podcast series which exploded various players' experiences with racism. He has gone on to sit on a discussion panel for a show called Racism, the Red Card, which is actually where I met Danny because I was supply teaching in a school. So you'll hear about that later on in his interview. And... In February 2022, um, he led the Scout Out for Mental Health campaign, which partnered with the Mind Charity, which raised over £3,000. Now, Danny previously worked for Show Racism, the Red Card, as an educator delivering anti-racism workshops to adults and young people in schools across the southeast of England. And in the summer of 2021, he was also appointed to Kick It Out's newly formed player advisory board where he will be tackling all forms of discrimination within the game. Danny's passion for tackling discrimination in football and society has led to his involvement 
in this space and has recently gained a qualification in corporate governance through the Professional Footballers Association. This programme is designed to equip those who want to contribute to the leadership of an organisation by becoming a board member. Now in January 2022, Danny was also appointed as director of the Archbishop Lankfranc Academy, a school he attended between 2002 and 2007. So you will be hearing from him real shortly.
welcome back and that was sonata artica i have a right yes we all have a right to be heard and it's important that we are not afraid to voice our thoughts our feelings and our emotions and it's important that we allow people to be able to express how they are feeling and what's going on so that we can be more mindful and self-aware of what's going on because underneath all the outside where we might see somebody strong, smiling, powerful all the time, we really don't know what's going on deep down inside. Okie dokie, so uh, before we carry on I just want to talk a little bit about what I do apart from being here on a Friday as a radio host for the Mindset Matters show. I'm a performance life coach with a huge, huge passion and focus on well-being, mental health and the mindset side of things. Now I work with individuals of all ages but fundamentally I work with medium to corporate sized companies to in the workplace to help them bring about positive change within where they are working, whether it's at the office or it's at home or it's hybrid. And for those who want to better their personal and professional life so that they may have a much more balanced uh, work life. And also, I think more importantly, as I said, having those tools, they are equipped with tools and strategies that they can use to adapt and handle stressful situations and challenging situations. Because as I said earlier on, we are always confronted with something. We never know what the path is going to look like. We can preempt things, but if we've got things uh, at our disposable um, that we can use to help us through those um, problems or challenges or situations, then let's use them. Let's not wait till we get to the problem and then we don't have anything to help us or we were completely overwhelmed and stressed where our minds are not able to think clearly. So you're asking me, how do I do this? Well, in, in essence, I work with my clients to enable them to dig real deep into their core, to truly know who they are, know their values, their worth and their belief systems. And along with knowing what makes them tick and their true purpose in what they want, what they are doing, what they need. And it comes down to addressing a much more positive mindset. So giving them the ability to have a better outlook on life, a different perspective, that will allow my clients to then have greater clarity, greater self-awareness, as I said, to face those adversities, those challenges, sorry, those challenges uh, to deal with unwanted negative thoughts or those emotions that are hijacking you. Now, if you're really so, if you are curious and would like to find out more, jump over to my website, https colon forward slash forward slash And if you can't wait to have a chat with me, then book your call at canley.com forward slash zenatnarani forward slash discovery hyphen consultation hyphen call. Um, there is a booking link on my website as well. Okay. 
Affirmation of the week. So this week's affirmation is, are you ready for it? Who or what defines the contents of your life? Who or what defines the contents of your life? Now I'd like you to take a moment to just stop and truly reflect on that empowering question. And I would love for you to share your thoughts by tweeting in or sending me an email, whichever is the easiest for you. So that'll be Zenat underscore Narani and MSM Radio Talks. Affirmation of the week, who or what defines the contents of your life? Right, last week we had guest Olivia Sanchez calling a naturopath and nutritionist therapist. He specializes in stress, sleep disorders, and other associated conditions, including the multifactorial gut-related inflammatory and autoimmune diseases. Also, he is a Michelin-trained holistic chef with over 30 years of experience in restaurants and in private employment for rich and famous around the world. He also helps to, sorry, he helped to launch the UK's first natural chef and vegan natural chef courses and was one of the leading lecturers and practical teachers for students learning the basics of cooking and nutrition. Now to listen to his show, if you missed out, it's https colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl.com forward slash mindset matters hyphen show 68. It was such a great conversation that I had with him. I mean, it was the first time I have had a chef on the show. And it's really interesting to connect how mental health and well-being in terms, okay, the nutrition side of things, but how coping as a chef, if you wanted to go in that career, the things that you need to think about. And we also talked a lot about... Um, how much has actually changed or hasn't changed in this industry. So do go over and listen to the show. It's an absolute fabulous show. I know that if I'm having a private dinner party, I will be getting in contact with Olivia Sanchez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome to Mindset Matters, exploring mental health and well-being horizons with Zenat Noorani. This show is dedicated to offering insights, support and tips covering a range of topics related to addressing your mental health and well-being. Each week, guest experts and brave inspirational people share their personal journey and experiences about their recovery, bringing awareness and change to the importance of breaking through this long-standing negative stigma. Now, Danny was supposed to come into the studio live, but unfortunately, he got a new job. And of course, that has to come first. But thanks to technology, I have him here pre-recorded. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you, Danny Mills here, who is a professional, a former professional football player. Hi, Brilliant. Danny. Yeah, no, thank you for, for having me on, on the show. Um, yeah, I've been really looking forward to it. It's a shame that I couldn't come into the studio live, but um, as you said, you know, just started a new job and uh, yeah, got to make sure that I'm doing that job. Absolutely. You know what? And, you know, like, like I said, thanks to technology, uh, we can pre-record it and still have you on the show, which is what's more important, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The main thing is actually, actually getting it out there and getting the content out there for the listeners. So yeah, please that we have the technology to do it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, right. So for our listeners, Danny, why, why don't you talk to us about your professional career first as a former uh, footballer and I believe you're currently in the National League in South uh, in, in the South League for Dulwich Hamlet FC. Yeah, so um, I suppose like a lot of young, a lot of young boys, you know, growing up, you know, wanted to, you know, wanted to to play football. Um, not sure if I, I saw myself being an actual professional footballer, but, but I just love playing the game, and you know that started off as just going down the park, playing with friends, spending hours, um, you know, hours in the park and, you know, having to be dragged out of there by my parents. And, <laughs> you know, I suppose that that's where that's where it all begins. Right. And um, as I started getting a little bit older, I sort of played some football at my primary school. That was the first sort of team that I was involved in. Mm. And then it sort of grew and manifested from there. I, I played a lot of Sunday league football, so I wasn't in any sort of academy structure or professional structure. Um, it was just going on a Sunday at my local team. Um, so I'm I am originally from South London, Croydon. So I played for my local team, Croydon, um, and was there till the age of 16. And then from there, I went to play for a team called Crawley Town, who are now in League Two. But at the time, they were in sort of the, the National League, what is called the National League now. Mm -hmm. um, and then I suppose sort of, yeah, I suppose my, my sort of my, my life really changed. You know, I was I was in college, I was doing my A-levels, I was... Yeah, just just I guess like a normal normal kid really just thought I was maybe going to go to university. I applied for university, uh, got accepted at university, and then yeah. at the end of the season with Crawley, um, yeah. I was offered a professional contract at uh, Peterborough United, and that's where my professional career started. Wow. Um, and, and with that, you know, being not kind of it came organically, didn't it? Like you said, um, but having then that offer, and then you've got the idea of going to university I mean what was that like making those choices because I know a lot of young people um struggle with choices when they're faced with them I mean you've got two sort of ideas of where you want to go and then there's this one which is wow is this really happening the football career and then you've got this ideology of going to university yeah I think I think for any 18 year old I think it was probably an easy decision um whether to, to be a professional footballer or to go to university. But at the same time, I think 
I had that blessing from my parents because I'd, I'd managed to pass my A-levels. You know, I got good grades and I suppose the conversation was around, well, you can go to university anytime. You know, you've, you've put mm. yourself in a good a good position where you can, you can still do that. So you can't be a professional footballer anytime. So I think um, that was a, that was the the easy decision to go and to go and do it mm. look football's football's changed a lot i think you know you can you can be a pro later on in life and things like that but these opportunities don't often come around often and to go to a club that was in the championship um was an opportunity that i couldn't turn down because that opportunity may never have come around again yeah amazing and it's interesting how different career lines are. i mean mine was the total opposite when um you know we've spoken off air and i used to be a professional f- uh, figure skater but for me my parents always said no you need to go to university be- they were behind what i wanted to do as in my career line but they said what if you get injured so it was the opposite and they said you need a backup plan <laughs> so uh, yeah I did that and as soon as I finished university that was it I got on the plane and off I went (laughs) but yeah yeah definitely I think it's yeah I think there are definitely different dynamics and I I don't think I don't think there's a right or wrong way of doing it I think you know the advice that I would give to to people in that position now is you know you've just got to do what you feel is right um you know you can you can obviously go to university at any point um with your professional career I believe that you can now you know you can have a professional career at you know there is a window don't get me wrong mm. but it doesn't necessarily have to be at that right at that age at 18 or 19 you know you can still study if you want to study it and then sort of pursue what you want to pursue so like I said I don't think there's a right or wrong yeah no absolutely completely agree there um and in terms of uh, you know you obviously you made your choices now your career line I mean what kind of challenges did you face um you know what did you feel that you had the right mindset? Uh, how did you overcome those challenges? What was your resilience like and the pressures of being, you know, in that kind of limelight? Yeah, so I, I think for me, you know, my professional career at Peterborough was my university in a set, essentially because, you know, I was still young, I was still learning. You know, it was the first time that I, like most 18 year olds, moved away from home. Um, so that was that was something I had to get used to was sort of living with, you know, a few teammates, fending for myself, um, being responsible, I guess, being independent. <clears throat> so that that had its challenges. Um, I was quite young, so I wasn't I knew that I wasn't necessarily going to go straight into the first team and play. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of training. I was in an environment where I wasn't the best player anymore. Um, I was mm-hmm. I was I was the young player. I was learning. I was, you know, because I hadn't maybe been in an academy structure, I was probably behind a lot of the players that had been technically. Um, but there was a there was a lot of there was a lot of challenges. I think the, you know the, the the biggest challenges was was probably just being in a new environment and mm. that professional environment and that had its own challenges. My manager at the time was Darren Ferguson, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's son. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, he was a very, very serious person, great person to, to, to look up to, but, uh, you know, I hadn't really been around that before. So I'd gone from playing basically non-league football to now watching games mainly in front of thousands of people. And it was like, right, you know, you're here now, you need to try and make the most of it really. And so, what, I mean, what kind of tools did you have in, 
your back pocket I mean because obviously you were very young and it's almost like the, the little fish in the big pond as they say um and you know you've got Alex Ferguson who you know helped you but what what actually helped you get through all of that because we're not taught to uh, create um, a positive mindset. A lot of the times in school, we have we're not given the tools for resilience. They just say, you know, toughen up, you know, be strong, be brave, keep going, you know, have a direction for where you want to go. But I mean, um, I don't think I really understood what a mindset was at that point. To be honest, I think I was literally just taking it every day at a time, mm. and I didn't really think about resilience. I didn't really think about being mentally strong it was just kind of I suppose I was on cloud nine in a sense (laughs) it was literally just I'm here like I can't believe it like I'm just I'm just gonna I suppose just go with it was it difficult at times when I look back I could say there were probably some difficult moments but at that point I didn't really realize it it was just like you know I've signed a deal and like you know this this could be me now for the next 15 years potentially but um Mm. I think as you go on you start to build that resilience through 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 life experiences, through experiences in the game. You start to build a thick skin with with things that happen. Mm. Do you feel that maybe there was something missing that could have benefited you, or you know, that may benefit now younger people that are going in that similar similar career line? Definitely. So at that age, it was really like I was sort of thrown into that environment and through maybe no fault of the club zone or maybe where football was at at that point, there was no real sort of guidance, no sort of mentoring, no sort of arm around you. Um, I had some of the senior players which looked after me, but they needed to concentrate on playing, Mm. you know? So, you know, they still, they got their careers to think about, you know, they don't, they don't need to really be worrying about an 18 year old young, young, young man. Um, But I had, I did have that support and I do still speak to some of those players to this day. Um, But, I feel like there should have been a structure in place to really, whether that be from a PFA perspective, players union, whether that be from the club's point of view, just having a little bit of that care um, to kind of nurture and look after the players. Cause it was kind of like, I guess you kind of fended for yourself and you had sort of the younger players around you that you could bounce off. But I definitely feel like there could have been a bit more uh, direction and, and, and support. Yeah. So, um, looking at clubs now do you believe that they have enough of that because I'm very passionate about supporting sports people and you know in the career line as well in terms of the mental health and well-being aspects are clubs doing enough do you believe or does there need to be more focus on that because I know sometimes you know there's also that mindset around games and the pressures and you know if you lose a game or you know you're working really hard you know you're doing really well but you just can't hit that you know that win that you want yeah definitely i think i think clubs is definitely improving um i think there was definitely a point where clubs were not doing enough there's mm. probably clubs out there that are still not doing enough but I, I definitely think that it's improving they're starting to i think mental health is now a conversation which is happening within football clubs now which is great that's on the agenda um you know you've got the players union uh, the pfa <laughs> within the professional game anyway that uh, offer well-being services to players um, and I think uh, you look at Crystal Palace, they've they've put together a, a package for young players who get released, like a f- so I think it's a two or three year aftercare plan where they can support players after they've been released from football clubs. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're probably the first of their kind to sort of do something like that. 
but um, there, there are initiatives happening. Can more be done? I think there can always be more that can be done. Um, but I think the most important thing is that it, it, it is on the agenda. There, there are conversations around it, but that needs to kind of progress now to, to, to more action. And, it's, and it has nothing to do with resources and money, especially at the top of the game, because it's a bottomless pit of money. So <laughs> it now it needs to be it now, now it needs to be about, well, what can we provide for our, for our players and our, and, and our stakeholders? Yeah, taking action and doing that. You know, that's so lovely to hear that because often we do hear, um, and, and I know I've experienced it myself in terms of, you know, when you've got a career in sports, what happens afterwards? Because there is a huge knock-on effect mentally. It's like, you know, who am I? You know, what what value do I have now that I'm not a footballer or an ice skater or a gymnast? You know, because that's all you know. What's your new identity? So there is a lot of pressures there. So it's really great to hear that there is something like that. And, you know, and Crystal Palace have got that in place. And it'll be, you know, I hope there's other clubs and um, people out there listening to this that will kind of consider that because it's a massive yeah. thing. Absolutely. You <coughs> touched on the, the, the point of identity as well, which is such a massive thing when it comes to sport and or any sort of professional discipline, whatever you're doing when you're growing up that's all that's all you know right you are the the professional uh, skater or you're the the, the footballer or the uh, you know whatever the athlete or tennis player and people know you for that and i think this is where the care in all disciplines and all fields needs to be better and i think the message that the, these professional clubs need or professional organizations need to be saying to the, the individuals and the athletes is that your identity isn't just what you do you know, you are more than you are more than just the footballer. You are more than just the the professional skater, um, and it's something now over the last couple of years that I've kind of tried to drill it into my own head in terms of, you know, my, my hashtag on most of my posts on Instagram is more than just the footballer because yeah. although it's been a big part of my life and it is and it always will be, mm. as soon as you leave the pitch, as soon as you leave training, you're going home to a normal. Well, I say a normal life. Well, you are. You're going home to 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 pop to partners. You're going. You're still going out with mums and dads and guardians and cousins and uncles and aunties and friends. You know, you are living a normal life. Identity is more than just what you do, um, and I think that message needs to be conveyed to players because I think you're right. I think when they leave or if they get released, that anxiety and that nervousness comes. It's like, wow, what am I? Who am I? I'm not that. I'm not that guy. I'm not that that girl. I'm not that man. I'm not that woman that everyone knows as that athlete anymore. Yeah, no, that's really important message out there. Definitely, identity is massive, and we are more than just that role that we play. Um, and I love that hashtag more than just a footballer. That's fantastic. Um, and, right, we're going to go on to what you do, but I just wanted to ask one more question in terms of you. Did you ever face um, racism, discrimination in the football? Because we hear about this all the time. Uh, there's so much out there. And, and I know things are getting better, but it has been there. Did you face any of that in your career? Certainly faced a lot of discrimination when it comes to abuse from stands. Um, been called probably everything under the sun but you can accept that as a player to be honest you can accept that um, in terms of in terms of overt forms of racism on the pitch every time I say this I feel like I shouldn't say this because I say that I feel lucky that I haven't experienced overt forms of racism but I shouldn't have to say I feel lucky I should just mm. be able to go out and play week in and week out but in terms of overt forms from a personal point of view I I haven't 
or I haven't heard, should I say, from the stands. You know, you play a lot in, in around a lot of people, but I haven't I haven't heard that. I've certainly been involved in in games and um, environments where some players have been been abused. Definitely, I've had teammates that have been abused in sort of other teams and other games. Um, but in terms of discrimination and in terms of abuse and in terms of being called everything under the sun in from the side of 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 pitches, absolutely. Um, again, that has its own struggles when when people are saying, mm-hmm. you know, they want they want players to rip your head off and all this kind of stuff. But um, yeah. yeah, in terms of, of a racism standpoint, I personally haven't received any overt forms of racism on, on, on the pitch. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's wonderful. But then again, like you said, you know, we, you shouldn't have to say that. You should be able to do something without having that fear of that that might be thrown at you. But again, that's another whole different thing about having those tools in your head, that mindset again, and I talk about it and that resilience to ignore the comments, to keep playing your game. Um, But even off the pitch, and I think this is really important for young people, is that when people comment and say things, I mean, I, you know, know, working in schools as a supply teacher, I see it all the time. Somebody says something and the kids just go and they pounce at it because they haven't got that the tools to kind of um, absorb what's being said and then be self-aware how to react to it or not to react. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think when it comes to football, there are so many different, there's so many different external factors that can lead to anxiety and stress and pressure, uh, whether that be from your own teammates, whether that be from uh, fans, whether that be from your manager, sometimes I don't think players are ever really equipped to deal with it. You know, I've seen players deal with things within their own way. Um, for example, you know, I've played with players that have to physically vomit before each game, before they can go out and play. And that's their that's their toolkit. That's how they deal with pressure. That's how they deal with uh, dealing with maybe the pressure from the manager. I've had players that will rather have games called off and cancelled just so they don't have to be in that environment. Players that panic even at training, um, you know, there's so many different things that I see. And, and yeah. it's only now when I look back at it where you think, Do you know what? They, they might be struggling here. They're obviously not in a good place. Mm. Um, and that can come from, like I said, many different factors. Their form might not be great. Manager might be putting them under all sorts of pressure. Um, fans might not be having them. Parents or, you know, friends might be putting them under pressure. And, you know, they might be trying to make it as a pro, but it's just not quite happening. You know, there are so many different uh, factors that can that can form there. Yeah, that's inc- yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and I think it's important for external people like the fans and everyone outside to also understand the pressures for people who are the professionals or the players, what they go through. And sometimes everyone goes into their own little tunnel because they only see what they want. And it's those expectations, isn't it? Um that are out yeah, there. they forget that they forget that you're a human being as well. I think that's what being. can happen, and, and that's not and that's not everyone. But I think they do forget that you're a human being. And like you said, fans they just want the three points at the end of the day. They come to watch a game. They want to win, yeah. um, especially when you're going to the highest level of the game. You know, it's at all levels of the game. You know, it's 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 do or die, if you will. You have to win. And I think when they're when they're in those environments and they act the way they act, they're, they're forgetting. You know, there's actually a human being under that kit. There's actually yeah. someone that has to now go home and and, and oh, deal with the fact that they might have lost the game uh, or they've played poorly. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of times people, many people forget the fact that um, instead of the negative comments, what are the positive comments can be so much more empowering than the negative. Um, and yeah, anyway, gosh, we could talk about this all day, I think, because um, we're both so passionate about it. And so in terms of what you do, excuse me, what's your reason for, uh, you know, going into what you do, you know, tackling discrimination, racism, just all this awareness. What's your reason behind it? COVID, I would say. You know, okay. I think if one of the if one of the if if there's any positives that have come out of it for me personally, I'd say it's COVID nineteen because before getting into this space just over a year ago, I was um, obviously I was still playing for Dulwich. I was coaching the academy probably didn't really know what, what what direction I wanted to go in, to be honest. Um, I was working in a gym as a personal trainer. I was just kind of easy-go-lucky, really. It was just kind of, yeah, I'm in a good place. You know, everything's kind of sweet. And then, as we all know, the rug got pulled from under all mm-hmm. of us and, and, and COVID happened. And for me, you know, I, I was working in environments where it all stopped. You know, football stopped straight away. The academy stopped and gyms were closed, as we know. So I found myself very much at a crossroads where it was like, no one knew what was going to happen. If we're being honest, no one knew. I didn't know if football was going to come back. We didn't know when gyms were going to open again. It was it was literally every day was watching Boris on the TV talking and Chris Whitty and like, you know, what's happening? You know, you know what's yeah. going to happen? So dangling from strings. <laughs> literally, it was literally that, you know, how long's a piece of string type thing. So I sort of sat down, you know, I was going on a lot of walks. I was really trying to find myself. I was really trying to gather my thoughts and think, mm. right, you, I'm always a person that's been used to being busy all the time, constantly. I'm always on the go. So to be at home and not really have much to do or have anything to do was, was tough. Yeah. So, so I think the thing that got me through it was, you know, I was listening to a few sort of um, motivational uh, speakers um, and one of the one of the the uh, speakers on YouTube was called Jim Rohn, and he 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 had like a just a little 10, 15 minute video, and I listened to it like every day. And one of the key messages that came out from it was make yourself valuable, make yourself valuable to the workplace, make yourself valuable to people. And I said to myself, right, how can I do that? And I always knew that I was interested in you know, the, the, you know, equality, diversity and inclusion space, but I didn't really know how to get into it. So I, you know, being a footballer, I reached out to Show Race and the Red Card, who obviously that organisation was started by a footballer and just started shadowing, shadowing some sessions. Um, I then done a qualification in equality, diversity and inclusion. Um, and really from there, it's just snowballed. Um, my life has completely changed within a year. I'd be honest, from 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 this time last year to, to now, it's it's completely different. Um, I started a mental health campaign in February last year, which basically the conversation we're having sort of highlighted the the stresses that you know footballers have, um, the the effects that football has on football's mental health, and yeah, so many things have have sort of snowballed from there, and I, and I sort of find myself now in a position I never ever thought I'd find myself in now. Yeah. Do you know what? And I think it goes back to what you said right at the beginning about opportunities. Um, there, you know, I believe there's always opportunities out there, but it's about being open to them 
And then when they are there, thinking, okay, what can I do with them? But also having that openness to see and think about what do I want to do? What is my value? What is my worth? And how can I move forward? Because you're right, you know, COVID was just like, it just literally washed everyone underneath the rug, really. And everyone had to read themselves. I agree, I agree. They are. I agree. Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I think for everyone, it was it was a time for reflection, wasn't it? And I think mm. it was a time where we thought, you know, people were losing jobs, people were being furloughed, people were losing loved ones. It was just like there was so much happening. I think definitely it was a time to to basically, I suppose, count your blessings if you were lucky enough to, to still have loved ones here and still have a job mm-hmm. or to, to at least be getting something. But it definitely allowed me to, to come out of my comfort zone. And yeah since then I've just come out of my comfort zone completely because you know again you know I listen to um, various different motivations uh, speakers and one of the things that one of the other sayings that I constantly hear is you know success is on the other side of fear and there have been a lot of uh, situations where I've been fearful of but I'm so happy that I've done it because now I've been able to achieve so much that yeah and uh you know, you said it, you literally took the words out of my mouth. It's that comfort zone, isn't it? And I know it's awful that this has happened, you know, the COVID, but it has, like yourself and many other people, allowed them to come out of their comfort zone um, because the fear does keep us there. And, you know, when we're in that fear zone, we're not growing. And when, you know, we're not able to be the best version of ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you talked about the, um, you mentioned the show Racism, the red card, which is based uh, on uh, racism and discrimination that you you worked for for a while. Tell us a little bit about how this came about and the yes. behind this. Yeah, so probably a year previously to actually starting, I was, um, I sat on a panel, uh, one of my old uh, teammates done some work for them and yeah, we just sort of connected with, I just sort of got connected with them and just done a, a bit of a talk on on racism. And that was it really for a year. Because of my schedule, I didn't really have much time to, to, to kind of be involved in it. And then obviously COVID happened and we yeah. had all the time in the world. So yeah, I reached out to them. I said, you know, look, I'm not asking for a job, but if I can start shadowing and just, just see what it's all about and shadowed for a month and yeah there was an opportunity there and yeah started working for them and it was it was very eye-opening it was very rewarding to to speak to young people about this space um it's amazing how football can really engage and connect young people you I think especially for me personally to say that you used to be a professional footballer you see their 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 eyes light up and that was one of the main reasons why Shaka Hislop started it because of how engaging it can be for young people if, 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 if you go in and say, okay, we're going to be talking about racism or we're going to be talking about X, Y, and Z, it kind of seems like another lesson. But yeah, there's no purpose start... behind it. Yeah, it's like... Uh, absolutely. That little golden absolutely. nugget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you talk about football, it's so, like, oh, right, football. Yeah. And we're talking about <laughs> racism and we can still apply it to, to everything that's going on. So, yeah, you know, I was there for just over a year or about a year. Really enjoyed it, found it rewarding. It was definitely was the foundation to... To, to the to my knowledge and um it, it allowed me to to grow yeah now, i mean i've seen you in action because that's where we met you were in one of the schools that i was supply teaching in and i you were 
you came into the class that I was teaching and yeah I've seen you in action and um you're right the children just kind of their eyes just open up and the excitement and I was thinking what if I delivered it it wouldn't be the same it actually wouldn't be the same because you've got a career that relates to it the children relate to it better yeah absolutely and you know, you probably saw it at the end of your lesson when we are, when we open the floor for questions and you say, oh. oh, it can be about football if you want. You know, most of the questions are about football, but then you bring it back to, you know, what are the four points of racism or, mm. you know, who can tell me what a stereotype is? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can tell you, I can tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the what's the best game you've ever played? So, you know, the two work hand in hand with me. It's a beautiful thing to actually see it because they're really engaged in the topic and, Funny enough, after actually coming to, to school that you was at, you know, uh, the CEO got an email from a parent after and, and he sent it to me and, he, and it just said how their child was just literally just on air after that session just because of how engaging it was and, you know, being able to, to meet someone that played, but also to get that knowledge as well. So that was positive to know that the, ch the child or the children are going home and that conversation is continuing. Where, where that conversation might not have even started Absolutely. in the household. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, how amazing. That's so rewarding uh, to hear that as well. Um, yes, no, it definitely was a great lesson. And I wish I'd been a young child at that time. I, mean, I felt like a young child. But, you know, listening in and having had those experiences, because I know growing up, we didn't have that. Uh, we weren't exposed to that. And I think it's a wonderful thing that there are um, companies out there that are showing children this and helping them to educate about football and what goes in behind the scenes. And it's not just the game. Like you said, there's so much more behind it. Um, and with that, uh, Chaco, he, he experienced uh, racism himself, didn't he? Yeah, so that's how the organisation started, really. So Shaka Hislop... Um, I mean, some of the listeners might, might know who he is, some might not, but he was a former player that played for Newcastle, West Ham, uh, and he was an international for Trinidad and Tobago. And um, one day, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in the school now, just saying the pitch, but <laughs> yeah, he was, um, yeah, it's just bringing back those memories. But no, Shaka was on, on his way home from a game uh, in the Northeast and Newcastle was filling up petrol in his car and with his family and was racially abused by young people. 10, 11 years old, and I suppose out of the, the the ashes, I guess, of that that negative experience, he wanted to challenge racism and all forms of discrimination, um, and that's how this organisation, uh, how the organisation started with him physically himself going into schools at the beginning. So, yeah, an, an unbelievable achievement for him personally, and um, you know, it's you know, there's offices all over the UK now. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And that, that just goes to show it can happen anywhere, not just on the pitch, but outside. But, the, you know, I remember you telling me what was really strange about that um, incident was that he was experiencing that, but they didn't know who he, who he was initially. And then when they found out who he was, they were asking for autographs. I mean, absolutely. how it just suddenly flips is just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have conversations about this topic a lot with people about you know is this a problem within football you know or you know what is this and I said well the reality of it is this is not a football problem no. this is a society this is a society problem this starts from a societal level because when those individuals leave games or they leave those environments they're going to work 
they're going to school their aunties their uncles their brothers their sisters mm -hmm. you know their, their their sons their daughters their nephews their nieces they're human beings they're normal people their managers they're senior leaders so mm -hmm. this is this is not about necessarily a football pro problem it's highlighted in football because of how the platform but mm. at the end of the day this is a societal problem and that's where it starts and i think that situation absolutely proves that it's a societal problem because all they saw was a black man that's all they saw yeah a few seconds later oh it's a professional footballer oh no you're all right actually can i have your autograph can i have your picture mm. um so i think it just goes to show that there are, there are so many different dynamics to it because on the flip side it can be the opposite it can be if i saw you in the street i wouldn't say anything to you but then if I saw you on the pitch, I'm going to racially abuse you now because I can. And there's no real repercussions. So I think it works both ways. Yeah, really. That's so interesting. And uh, uh, yeah, and those kind of aspects need to be uh, spoken about more and explored more. And how can we prevent this from happening? Um, and I think this is going to bring us nicely onto one of the videos that you um, shared um, and I had a look at it. So we're going to have a quick listen to yeah. the video. I've had so many conversations with different people who work in different industries who are scared of being that black person in the office. The way we express ourselves is very maybe different to someone from Ireland or England, you know? So if you don't understand that part of me, you're never going to give me the room yes. to breathe. When we look at the picture now, there is a power dynamic out there. Mm -hmm. And that power is held by one demographic. When you look at these initiatives, it then kind of belittles us that we're only getting it or these opportunities because we're trying to fit a quota, not actually through our own ability to do the job, not well, but very, very well. You know, we shouldn't have to just always excel to get anywhere, but that's in our DNA. <laughs> History's put that in our DNA, is that we have to excel in actually everything. I think that's the positive about all of us being around here is that we're the people that are willing to challenge. In our respective sports, we all have an influence in, in one way, shape or form. Great. So um, with this video, I mean, tell us our listeners about this video. You know, you know, what's the short clip about and the discussions behind it, really? How did it come about? So, again, one of the one of the great things that happened in that in my year of growth so far was that I was appointed to the players advisory board at kick it out who are another anti-racism organization but they're more of a reporting organization so if any form of discrimination or racism happens players can report it to the FA which is where they should do but they can also report it to the kick it out who can offer support and guidance and, and, and aftercare and um when I was appointed to the board, uh, my, my area of expertise is probably more the non-league game. So there's a lot of work that I'm trying to achieve within the non-league game. And that particular video, we done a, a round table discussion. And this was sort of in, I guess, uh, solidarity and celebration for the United Nations Anti-Racism Day. Mm -hmm. So um, there was a group of, group of us that got together um, of, it was myself, uh, Darren Lewis from the da Daily Mirror, um, uh, Marcus Gale, who used to play for Wimbledon, Holly Morgan, ex-professional footballer, uh, Ashton Hewitt, uh, a professional rugby player, Anita Asante, professional footballer. 
so there was a there was a lot of us around this table and the discussion was just around our chosen um fields and our respective areas of the game and and, and where we see it now um and it was just such a great organic natural conversation about you know all forms of discrimination within the game how we can tackle it what we need to do and, and what we are doing in our own respective spaces to try and challenge it um and it was just yeah, it was a, just a really nice discussion and you know we could have been there for hours speaking yeah. um and it was really interesting for me to see the challenges in different areas of the game and in different sports so ashton uh, plays for the i think it's dragons rug, uh, professional rugby team so he was able to um express and articulate what his challenges are within professional rugby um darren lewis from the daily mirror what what challenges he faces within journalism Anita Asante, Holly Morgan, the women's game, you know, how, you know, what are those dynamics? How different is it from, or what's that shift between the the, the male game to the female game? <laughs> so it was, it was a, a very good discussion. It was very informative. I learned a lot and um, yeah, we, we, we had a, it was good to sort of connect with, with like-minded people that are, are in the same space. Yeah, no, I found that very, very interesting. And I think it goes back to what we said earlier, that everybody experiences in different kind of fields and what what is it like? And, you know, there are similarities and there are differences. Um, but it, you know, and I, I <clears throat> excuse me, and I think open discussions like that is what needs to be happening. So then people can come together and start to make those changes. Um, a, a great video, absolutely great. I'm so glad that you shared that with me. Brilliant. Um, right, so um, as you know, what I noticed on your bio, you also you were appointed as a director of the Archbishop's Langford Academy School, where you attended between two thousand and two and two thousand and seven. Uh, how does that feel, first of all, to be appointed as director, and what does that mean for you? What's your role? <laughs> even when even when you say that, it's just like what director of us of, of like it just. Yeah, it's just so humbling and I would never, honestly, before this, these these things never even crossed my mind. I had never, I wouldn't say I didn't believe that I could achieve something like that, but it just wasn't at the forefront of my mind over yeah. a year ago. These these things weren't conversations. But um, through the PFA, I started a qualification and just recently passed a qualification on corporate governance. Fantastic. And, <laughs> thank you very much. And it was just really... It was a it was a qualification which I thought I, I had not I had no idea about governance and being a director and things like that. But it was just you know what again I'm coming out of my comfort zone. Let's mm -hmm. learn. Let's see what you can do. And it was a, an initiative and a qualification through the PFA where they're trying to improve the diversity in boardrooms with you know ex players. So I was on that journey, and I suppose I. I literally, I, I've always kept in touch with one of my former school teachers at the school who's still there, funny enough. And he wanted me to come in and do a talk to some of the sports students, a little bit of a motivational oh, right. yeah. kind of talk. Yeah. So I literally, I literally just went in, done the talk. It was good to connect with him again. And then he asked if I would like to meet the head teacher. And I said, yeah, why not? Let's say hello. We got to say head teacher from when you were there then. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> to be fair. The head teacher when I was there was quite old, so he must be retired now because he looked old when I was there, so he must be retired now. Um, but yeah, this is a new sort of young, fresh head teacher that sort of just just started really. But um, we got talking about what I'm doing, my, my journey so far, and <clears throat> I said I was doing this um, 
this course in corporate governance and I'm really enjoying it. I'm really sort of getting that tingly feeling when I, when I learn and, you know, talk about certain things. And now I see it everywhere in the world. Um, and he said, well, we're looking for a new director, actually. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, you know, I thought you had to, doing the, doing the course, you know, directors are not my age. Directors don't look like me. So Again, even though I'm doing the course, yeah, it's crazy because, you know, like I said, directors don't look like me. They're not my age. C- could I really believe that after this course, I'm going to become a director? Of course not. I didn't believe that. Mm. Um, but anyway, we got talking and he said, yeah, we are looking for one. And I think, it, you know, with your area of equality, diversity, inclusion, the fact that he was a former pupil, or this could be, you know, something that's quite, you know, inspirational really for the, for the, for the, for the mm. student body. Um, so yeah, and I suppose it just, but you know, I suppose you leave those conversations, you think, ah, yeah, it sounds nice at the time, and maybe it's just a bit of lip service, nothing's really going to come from it, um, but you know, emailed me after, and I had a, an interview with the, the chair of the, the, the board, um, and I was appointed, uh, I think, in December, and it was like, wow, like, you know, it's actually happened, and um, you know, I had my first board meeting, funny enough, last week. I've done quite a few, or this week, should I say. Um, I've done a, d- different school visits and, you know, now I'm, you know, director basically of equality, diversity and inclusion there. And it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, going, going and doing the school visits has really been inspirational because I'm going into a school that I went to first and foremost. Yeah. And when I'm when I when I go into when I when I was introduced to some of the students in the classrooms, they they were a little bit in awe because yeah. I don't look like a director. I don't <laughs> look like the people that come in their school. It's true. I don't look like the people that come into their school with the white beard. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. They're, and and that's the reality of it is that they're used. They would be used to seeing white males or white females coming into their school that's what they would see as 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 maybe a director um you know luckily the board is 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 quite a a, i say it's 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 quite a diverse board um ish but i think in terms of the diversity of age Mm. i'm the youngest by quite by far on that board so when i'm going in there in the classroom i dress like them i talk like them you know they can they can relate to me they can see themselves in me yeah. and i think them going oh my god you're a director of of the school and it's like yeah and, and i've had conversations with pupils saying like i was in that seat mm. i was in that seat i was in exactly. in that dinner hall i was doing those gcses i was i was here and you know to go from pupil to then go to board member or director is yeah, something that, you know, it's probably one of the proudest, proudest things, you know, moments that I've ever had really to, to be able to give back and hopefully things will, will manifest and things will, things will grow and I can continue this, this journey of, of corporate governance. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, that, that is something to be so proud of and uh, to be able to have that impact on young people as well, that in a school where you were actually there. Um, and it also gives children a different um, perspective and hope and aspirations of hopefully what they want to do and achieve in their life as well. Yeah, definitely. And and, and I think seeing themselves in it, because mm. there is no matter what we, no matter how we think, we think a certain way. We, when we hear something or we see, or we see something, we, we, we make these assumptions. We yes. all do it. We all have these stereotypes of what, 
of what we believe something should be. And, um, you know, if I was to say director or, or governor to them, they're going to have a picture of what that looks like in their head. You know, people are going to have a picture of what it looks like. So when, when I'm coming in now, it's like, yeah, I can I can maybe see myself doing that one day or I can see myself. And that that is powerful because I'm sure for yourself and I know for me, certainly I didn't see that. The only authority I saw was didn't look like me. The only people that were at the, at the highest positions in my in my school didn't look like me. Um, we're still having we still have that. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but I think it, we're, we're starting to hopefully get a little bit of a shift. And, you know, hopefully I can be that kind of inspiration for the students. Yeah, no, great. You know, and I wish you all the success in that. It's so lovely to hear things like this. And um, I hope our listeners get so much from it as well, because this is what it's all about, um, is giving people that hope. Now, I know I've taken up so much of your time already. <laughs> I said it'll only be about half an hour maximum. But just a few more questions. As I said, you know, yeah. I love talking to you. Um, you in your current job, um, the business in the community, this members organisation, tell us a little bit what you're doing here. Yeah, so I've recently just started this new position at Business in the Community, and this is um, again, if I were, if you were to tell me this time last year that I would be in a sort of a nine to five city job, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, so my role there is I'm, I'm basically a, a junior, a diversity and inclusion consultant. Uh, Business in the Community are yeah a member organisation, so they work with over six hundred. Uh, different organizations for example Marks and Spencers the Bank of England EDF Energy <clears throat> just to name a few um, offering consultancy services across a array of different areas so the whole uh, the whole purpose of the organization is about responsible business and best practice um, and that could be across diversity and inclusion which is the area that I'm in that could be on uh, climate change um, that could be on well-being that could be on uh, many different um, areas um, and yeah, I've been I've been sort of given an opportunity there now to sort of grow even further. Very strange because, you know, I'm coming, you know, I'm not I'm not, I suppose, in terms of football, I'm a senior player. So I'm sort of coming towards maybe the last four or five years, maybe of my career, depending on how how things go. And I'm now making that sort of transition out, out of the game. And it's very strange because there's there's a, there's a big piece around transition after playing the game. And, you know, I went into the office last week in London and in a sense, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome because I thought, wow, I've not been in this environment again. I'm now out of my comfort zone again. Like I said, you know, success is on the other side of fear. And I keep replaying that in my head. Like, you know, you should be here. You deserve to be here. Um, and you're more than capable to be in this environment. So yeah, even now this transition is a bit scary because it's like, whoa, like I'm, I'm in new, I'm in a new space now. I'm with new colleagues learning new things, yeah. but it's been amazing. It's only been two weeks, but it's been amazing to, to meet people, learn more. And um, yeah, it, you know, I, when I got this job, I said to saying to my wife, you know, this could be the, the beginning, the start of a new life really in terms of that kind of full-time kind of environment benefits pension you know I'm like whoa like you know this is all this is all quite new to me but look I'm just I'm just taking it as it comes yeah. um, I'm enjoying it and yeah we'll see how it goes yeah I mean there's lots of people are running away from the nine to five <laughs> hey, I know, I, know. <laughs> I suppose there's benefits in both areas you know um, but I think it's absolutely wonderful um you know and again I wish you all the success in your new position there Right, just to end off then, and I am going to let you go, <laughs> is, right, what advice uh, um, have you for young people looking to start a career 
in football? Um, I would I would say that now is it we're certainly in a time now where you don't you don't have to make it right now. You don't have to be a pro today. It's all about hard work. It's all about resilience. It's all about working on yourself, not necessarily trying to focus on, you know, where other other players are at. One of the one of the biggest quotes that I live by is run your race. Don't worry about what maybe what everyone else is doing outside. You know, run your race, focus on what you're doing. Football is obviously a team game. You have to work with people. But at the end of the day, you need to focus on how can you improve? How can you do better? Um, are you watching games? Are you analysing performances? Are you working on the things that you're not good at? Or are you just working on things that you are good at? So I think it's just about personal growth. It's about trying to improve each day. Um, and look, it's not the end of the world if you don't make it. That's that's the reality of it. There's still life, uh, you know, outside of football. You know, the reality of it is, is, less than one percent of of people will ever make it to the highest level of the game so that's 99 point whatever percent that won't make it so you know i think you have to be realistic at the same time and also understanding as well that you don't have to necessarily have a career at the highest level of the game you know i've enjoyed my best football within non-league i wouldn't be who i am without the space of non-league so it doesn't have to be as a fully fledged professional footballer. You can still have 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 a career. I love that. Yeah, run your race, and you know, success is on the other side. I love those uh, what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. And it's looking at the you know, the not the possibilities, but the greatness in wherever you are, and thinking about you know the possibilities of what can come of that, rather than um, always thinking about oh, but I have to get here, I have to get there. Um, and I think that's really, really important message there. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And in terms of um, the message around um, discrimination and racism, what message have you got for them, for all these young people growing yeah. up? Learn. I think learn to learn, learn as much as you can, read as much as you can, embrace everyone. You know, you don't have to be everyone's friend, don't get me wrong, but embrace difference. Difference is such a good thing. Difference is a beautiful thing. You know, if we're, we're all the same, it would be boring. You know, we'd all think the same. We'd all we'd all do the same thing. So, you know, we, we need to, you know, we need we do need to learn to love one another, you know, and respect one another and not isolate people, not put people in boxes and put people in groups and and see people as others. We need to we need to embrace each other. When we talk about inclusion, we're talking about everyone, no matter what background it, it is, no matter what ethnicity they are, no matter what um, socioeconomic background they come from, no matter what religion they they believe in. You know, this is about us being together as as one people. And you know, people you know people say you know you're. This, you know, the job that I do, it is hard because you have good days and you have bad days. You think, you know, you're banging your head against a brick wall at times. But I do this job so that I don't have to do this job one day. You know, unfortunately, we're in a position where this job is very necessary for a long time. Unfortunately, we've got a lot of work to do. But ultimately, the goal surely has to be we do this job so we don't have to do this job. You know, Shaka's organisation, that's existed for 25 years. Kick it out, 25 years. You know, that's a long time to be having these conversations and talking about it. So, you know, like I said, learn, embrace each other, um, you know, and hopefully we can, yeah, hopefully we can we, we can be successful in, in, in our goal and our mission. Fantastic. Thank you, Yanni, for that. Uh, real wise words. Um, okay, I know you've mentioned a couple of quotes that, you, you know, um, it, 
you run your race but do you have a famous quote or statement that you constantly live by or is that the one there's quite a few um <laughs> to, to be up to be honest you know as you can see i'm very much into my motivational speakers yeah. and stuff and i think uh jim Rohn he he says um success is not a stereotype mm. you know success is not a ferrari success is not a big house success is not a um you know having a, a, fan, a fancy <laughs> yeah. watch or a yacht yeah ex exactly you know that's that's not what success is you know success is how we picture our lives and success is how we visualize what we what we want and that can be anything um so i i, I do like to live by that and i think um being at success you, you you attract success by the person you become mm. so if you if you're someone that's positive, if you're someone that is, you know, embraces people, if you're someone that is a go-getter, you will attract success organically. You will attract that. If you're someone that's maybe negative or um, senile, or you attract that. You, you know, you attract what you what you are. You attract what you, mm. you become. What you so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think for me. I've always tried to have this positive outlook. I've always tried to come out of my comfort zone and, and challenge myself. And I think by doing that, that's I've probably grown more in the last year or so than mm. I had the, the previous three, four, five, six years. Um, if if I'm being honest, I've probably read the most books that I have in in, in my entire life over the last <laughs> year. So, um, you know, for yeah. me, it's just about it's just about that personal growth. You know, like I said, run your race. Um, you know, success is on the other side of fear. Um, just coming out of your comfort zone really love it absolutely love it and finally why don't you give our listeners a fun fact about yourself or something that will actually amaze them and shock them if you're willing to right. yeah yeah no that's fine so when I was about nine or ten years old I was actually a mascot for Liverpool and <laughs> I, I I walked out with uh, Jamie so cool? yeah I know I know and I walked out with Jamie Redknapp and, and Steven Gerrard and um, played on the picture of Michael Owen, so that's probably a, a fun fact that people probably don't don't know. So that's that's one of the highlights of my entire life because I was a big Liverpool fan growing up. So to, to be able to do that was amazing. <laughs> have you got a photograph of that? I have, yeah. I've got. A, it's sitting right next to me. To be fair, that's, oh. the, that's, that's a treasure of mine. To be fair, me and Michael <laughs> Owen and stuff. It's a treasure. <laughs> you send me a snapshot of that at one point. <laughs> definitely, definitely, oh, definitely. Do you know what, Danny? It has been so wonderful chatting to you. And I'm a, the things that you have achieved, like you said, over the last year, year and a half, is just amazing. Um, but even before that, what you have done is definitely going to um, make a difference in somebody's life out there. And if anybody can take just one thing from here and think about that and make a change in their lives, it would just you know it's the start of making a difference yeah absolutely um yeah if you can if you can affect one person then you know you're, you're doing your job the reality of it is you're not going to affect everyone um you can only do what you can do um and i think that's another message you know try and do what you can do um and if you can do a bit more each day do a little bit more um yeah. again just very quickly jim Rohn again amazing <laughs> he says you know, he talks about press ups as a, I suppose, as a metaphor for for life, really. And he says, you know, is is five press ups all we can do? No, it's not, because you can do five, rest a little bit, you can do five more. You can rest a little bit, you can do five more. All of a sudden, you're at fifty. How did we get to fifty? Because yeah. 
we, we, we rest a little bit, we've done a bit more. And I think that's, again, you know, you don't have to do everything at once. Each day, just set yourself a little target, a little goal, or each week or each month, and just slowly have those building blocks. And eventually you'll, you'll get to where you want to get to. And say no more. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to let you go, by the way, Danny, and you, you jumped in with some more here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to need yeah. a longer show. But again, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. Um, and like I said, I wish you all the best uh, in your career and your journey and the visions that you have for the difference that you want to make in the world out there. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Really, really enjoyed it. Well, there we have it. Danny Mills. Now, sadly, it's that time and we're going to have to start saying goodbye. But next week's guest is a pre-recorded interview with Mike McCarthy who I connected with on LinkedIn after seeing a series of his post about his dear son who lost his life to suicide. In February 2021 his son Ross took his uh, own life aged 31. In his farewell letter he asked his family to campaign for better mental health services and Mike is trying to honour Ross's request. Uh, Mike's post really touched my heart and the work that he is doing to bring about this change when it comes to suicide awareness. Um, Mike is having those truly important conversations with the government at Downing House as well. So do tune in to listen to his interview um, on Mindset Matters show. On you know on that note, we've had quite a few people who come on and shared their personal stories about where they have been close to taking their own lives. Um, people such as Mark Brown, Graham, Nick Wilson. So do tune in and see those past shows. Okay, if you would like to connect with me, remember on my website, Zenet 